The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Well, we just want to bless you in the name of Jesus and pray that as we're together this morning that God will speak to you and help you and strengthen you. Whatever's been going on in your life, we want to pray that God blesses you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness to each one of us. We thank you that you are the one who reigns, who rules over the earth, who rules over the universe. We thank you that you are a great and mighty God. We thank you that it is you who have had mercy on us and have forgiven us of our sins. The highest name, the highest name, the greatest authority has declared we are forgiven because of the blood of your son, Jesus. And we want to thank you and we want to celebrate your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Dan. You know, as we're having communion there, it just touched me. We were singing that last song. That the, the words there were about the mercy that God has shown us. And it is the highest name. You know, I was just thinking about the Brexit situation. And forgive me for mentioning that word for just a moment. We're nearly so bored of it. It's nearly, it's nearly finished. At least that's what we hope. But there was the, Boris shut down Parliament, didn't he? And I know whether some agree with that or not. Let's not worry about that. He shuts down Parliament and, of course, everybody gets uptight. They take it to the highest court of the land. Now, we know that the highest court of the land said he should have kept Parliament open, but that's another thing. He took it, they, he, they took it to the highest court of the land and they made the decree. The one who has forgiven our sins is the one whose name is the highest in the whole universe. There's no other name, no other name that is given by which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. What a privilege it is for us. You know, so often we get lost, as we've heard stories this morning about the bus there, about, you know, focusing. We get lost in so much that's going on around us. There's, there's literally a noise that goes on around us that we get distracted. But we don't want to be distracted this morning. We want to be focused. We want to be focused upon the one who can help us. You remember the story, or perhaps you haven't heard the story, but there's a story in the Bible where Jesus comes down from this place where he's literally been, the, the glory that is inside of him has been revealed to his disciples. It was called the Mount of Transfiguration. And he came down from this experience, down into the town, and suddenly there's a, he's among the people and there's a buzz going on all around. And there's a boy there who has fits. He's actually uh, is demonized and there's problems and the, the demon causes him to be thrown into the fire and his father is desperate to see his son set free. And Jesus comes and the disciples have been doing their best. They've been praying for him and laying hands on him and trying to cast this thing out and nothing's happening. It's not working. So there's a degree of what's going on and Jesus comes into the situation. And the father tries to explain what's going on. My son, he's got this demon and it's causing him and it throws him into the fire and it causes him to convulse. And he's explaining this. And the father just says to Jesus, if you can help us. If you can help us. And Jesus' reply, if I can, 
all things are possible for him who believes. All things are possible. And of course, Jesus casts the demon out and the boy is made completely well. The name above every name is the one that we're coming before. The one who can help us. What's your situation? Your situations seem impossible. Your situations seem to be taking a long time to be resolved. You know, for Moses, it was 40 years from when he left Egypt until he encountered the burning bush. 40 years is a long while, yeah? Yeah. 40 minutes sometimes seems a long while for us to wait, let alone 40 years. Four years, maybe. 40 years. But God accomplishes his purposes because he is able to do what we are unable to do. And he has a plan. He has a plan which we need to fit into. Not we have a plan that he needs to fit into. I find that particular issue troubles me a lot. Sometimes I stop praying because I realize that what I'm praying about is my plan. God, will you do this? Will you do that? I need this sorted out. And I know it's not that God doesn't understand, but sometimes we have to say, like, God, what is your purpose? What do you want for my life? How can I align myself with your purposes? How can I come into a tune with what you want? Let me humble myself so that you may have your way and do your work through me. So this morning, we're just going to ask, Lord, come and have your way. Come and have your way in our lives. Come and do what you want to do. Come and change our hearts. Come and affect our lives. Come and transform us because we need you. We need you in this place. We need everything that you are. So, Father, come and make yourself known to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this morning, we're starting a new sermon series, and the sermon series is called God at Work. And today's title, if you like, is My Father is Always at Work. God at Work. And in this series, we want to really come to an understanding that God is not just sitting down. He's not just got his feet up. God is not just on celestial clouds just having a, a, a cup of coffee and a relax, but God is at work. And so as we look at this series, that I want us to be encouraged with the fact that God is at work, he is thinking about us, he is watching over us, and he's paying attention to our situations. It's not that he's forgotten about us. And so that today, I want to come on the beginning of that understanding for us, that God is at work. Now, we're going to start with a different place. We're going to start with a place that we do understand, men at work. Men at work. And there can be a picture. In fact, put the picture up of men at work. That's a sign that we see as we're driving along. And we would understand without any writing on it, we know that there's something going on when we see that sign. Particularly if we're going on holiday or we're going on a journey. When we see that sign, there's something that we understand, men at work. There's something going on. And the whole thing with men at work is this. We know that when we see that sign, or even if we just say the phrase, men at work, it means that there are people who are working, constructing, building, repairing, doing all sorts of things, particularly when it comes to the roads anyway. They're doing all sorts of things to make things right. So there's men at work, and we understand that. But when we see that sign, often this is our next experience. Yes. I don't know which motorway that is, but it seems very familiar with me. The cones, the fact that you're changing lanes, the fact that things are moving around. There is a sense in which we know that there are problems 
often when we see the road sign, men at work. But we understand that there is a construction that is necessarily taking place. Recently, I had to go and pick up my son, Henry, from Gatwick. And I don't know whether you've been on the, what is it, the M23 recently, but they're doing it into one of these super motorways. So like it's 50 mile hour limit as soon as you get on there. And it's like, this isn't a motorway. This is just a whole bunch of cars going at the same speed in narrow lanes. It's exactly like we see there. And as I, as I was just collecting these photographs, you know how you, when you're in the midst of this situation, they're thinking, how long is this going to take? And this picture just uh, amused me. Expect delays until the end, <laughs> the end of time. And I thought to myself, you know, that, that's how it feels at times. When you're on a journey and there's a, a I need to get there, and there's somebody saying like, this is going to expect delays until, well, the end of time. Well, I, that's not what we're talking about, but I just thought that was something quite amusing. So we understand, and the object of just showing these pictures is we understand what it means to say men at work. And we understand that there can be some disturbance, there can be some disruption. We can understand that sometimes things can take a long while to actually get accomplished. But we know that it means that something is happening, there is some construction, there is some repair, there's some maintenance that is going on. But what about God at work? What do we think about that? And you know, when I say God at work, really... I think, and I look at myself with this, I thought, well, what is my understanding? Do I think of God at work, or do I think of God as having finished his work? And actually, when I come to scriptures, I often think more about God having finished his work, rather than the fact that God is working. And there's nothing wrong in that because God has indeed accomplished a lot of things. And we get that idea particularly from Scripture itself. If we were to go to Genesis 2, which we're going to with this Scripture now, Genesis 2 verses 2 and 3 say this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So by the seventh day, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You know that you come home from the office on a Monday or from the school or from the shop or wherever you are, you come home from your place of work on a Monday and you think, and even more so on a Friday, just think of God. I think we allow God to say, and sit down on the seventh day. He had created the universe. Can I ask, what were you doing? Well, we're about our tasks, but it's not quite the same level, is it? We didn't quite create the universe in our last week, but that's what God did. And he rested. But you see this understanding, when we read this, in our minds we think like, God has done it. He's made that, now he's finished. Now God's resting. And so there's a sense in which we don't consider that God is at work. And this also applies to Jesus. Let's look at John 19, verses 28 to 30. This is Jesus on the cross. And it says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he died. And you see, not only do we see God 
accomplishing his work of creation, accomplishing his work of, of making man, making the earth, making everything for us, he rests on the seventh day. We also see Jesus saying, having got through this whole thing of being with his disciples, of going through all that, of everything having been written down that we can read about in the Gospels, and now being on the cross, he gets to this point where he says, it's finished. And then he dies. And so those sort of scriptures or those stories, particularly I think, bring us to an understanding that God has accomplished all he needed to do. And you know what? God has accomplished the things that he did need to do. Because both of these are supreme pieces of work. I mean, making the universe, obviously, is a supreme piece of work. Especially when you think the God who created the universe, he just spoke. And out of nothing, things were formed. That's all he had to do. He speaks. The word of God is spoken and it is creative. And as he speaks, so the planets come about. You know, we think about the earth. And you think about, actually, the earth is wonderful. In fact, you know, we travel to different places. We might have seen a number of different types of, uh, maybe been on a number of different continents, seen a number of countries, enjoyed a number of different cultures. But that is just the earth. He made the earth, and he made the galaxies, and he made thousands and thousands of stars, and they look so small in the sky, and yet, if we were to get close to them, they're vast planets, they're vast objects, but they just seem so far away, so they're so insignificant, but he created all of those. So God has created all of those things, and Jesus, of course, has accomplished, fully accomplished the work for which he was sent, which was that he would make a way for the salvation of mankind. And he did that by going to the cross. And of course, having got to the cross, he could say at that last moment before he gave up his life, it's accomplished. It's like, I have done the task of bringing mankind into forgiveness. I have done it by going to the cross. And so there's a real sense of accomplishment in what he says. And you know, having said those two scriptures, there's another one I'm going to bring to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 13. And the writer of the Hebrews, obviously being a Hebrew, being a Jew, he is actually giving insight into Jewish culture. And he talks about the priests. He says here, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, he's talking about Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he, he sat down at God's right hand. So again, we have this imagery of resting, of sitting, of finishing, of accomplishing Everything seems to be the case of there's not much work that now still needs to be done. And yet Jesus, in John 5, 17, says this to the crowd that was around him. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work, even to this very day, and I too am working. And so we've got Jesus saying, hang on, we've... We understand that God's having a rest. We understand that he's sitting down. We understand that Jesus has accomplished everything. And yet Jesus is saying, well, God's always at work. Now, I want to look at the context of what, when he said that statement, because it's quite interesting. So I'm going to take you 
to John's Gospel, chapter 5, and to a story there. I'm taking you to a part of Jerusalem. The time was for one of the Jewish festivals, so Jesus had obviously come to town because it was one of the Jewish festivals. So he'd arrived, and you know what it means with the Jewish festival. The big Jewish festivals means everybody gets together. So Jerusalem has a lot of people in it. There's a lot of people there. They're not quite sure which festival it is. Maybe it was Pentecost, one of the Pentecost times. But anyway, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's in an area near the Sheep Gate, is what it says, by the place which is called the Pool of Bethesda. And this is a place where there is water, obviously, there's a pool, and around it there were five colonnades. Now there's a story that goes with this place, and the story that goes with it is this, there's a pool of water, and an angel comes, and when the angel comes and stirs the water, in other words, when there's an erupting, when there's a stirring of that pool, then the people who are in the colonnades, if they can get to the water, the first person who gets to the water gets healed. Now imagine if you're sick and you're in a society where there's not really hospitals or the sort of uh, background of help that we have medically, what do you do? i tell you what happens. In these porticos, people come to live and they are the sick, the lame, all people who have all sorts of diseases and problems, they are there. Some of them have been there for years and they're waiting. They're waiting for that water to be stirred Because if that water gets stirred and I can be the first one in, it's a bit like having a lottery ticket. If I've got the winning numbers, then I can win the prize. So the first person in gets to win the prize of, I get healed. That's why these people are there. So it's like a hospital, if you like, but there's no doctors or nurses. There's just the waiting if an angel comes and stirs the water and I can get to the water, then I've got an opportunity to be healed. Does that sound stupid? Listen, it doesn't sound stupid if you're sick. It doesn't sound stupid at all because, you see, if you're sick, you're looking for an answer. It's the same for us. We come to church, we're seeking God. Why? Because we want answers. We need help. Because there's many different things. Maybe it's not a disease or a sickness or we've got a lame leg or something like that. Maybe it's not a physical thing, but there's something within us. There's an emotional problem within us. We are looking for help. So it's not stupid that those people were there, even if they were laying there, even if they lived there. Because they were looking for answers, just as we're looking for answers. People who are desperate do desperate things, like living in this place. Now, Jesus went to this place, and he was obviously walking around. I don't know whether he was speaking to people or what, but it says in John chapter 5 that after he had heard the story of this particular man, and the man we're talking about is somebody who was an invalid, and he had been there for, or he'd been an invalid for 38 years. So it's a bit like you meet somebody on the street, and you talk to them, and you see they've got a bad leg or something. Hey, what's happened? And you hear their story. And in this case, the story that was coming out, I've been like this for 38 years. Now, I don't know whether he told how it first started or whatever. You know, there's all different types of things. But Jesus gets to hear the man's story or gets to hear about this man. This guy He's been like this, he's lame, he can't walk, he's been like it for 38 years. So Jesus, with that knowledge, turns towards him and he asks him a question. And he says to him this, do you want to get well? (laughs) Now, I don't know what you think. I think it's a bit of a silly question in one sense. Uh, Why am I here? This is the place. Why do you think I'm here? Of course I want to get well. But he doesn't say that. But it's an interesting question that Jesus asks him. Do you want to get well? 
Let's read the story from John 5, verses 7 to 16. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This is a bit of a disaster for him, really. Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. Just stop at this point for a moment. 38 years I've been in this situation. I get asked whether I want to get well. Stupid question, the guys think. Of course I want to get well. And then he tells the story about what the problem. Every time the water gets stirred, someone gets in there ahead of me. I can't get down there. I want to get down there. Yes, I want to get well. And Jesus just says to him, get up. And he's healed like that. Instantaneously. How miraculous and wonderful is this? It's the trouble is, it's so beyond our understanding. We're just sitting there going, oh, wow. If we saw this happen, you, you could, oh, it doesn't make any sense. You, you, you'll find yourself dancing around and rejoicing on somebody else's behalf just because it's beyond comprehension. This guy has been made completely well. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 9, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, I'm just doing what he said. He made me whole, I'm just doing what he said. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. So this man who is unable to walk is now healed. And he's being asked, well, who made you well? Who was it? Who and I don't know. This guy came up to me. I mean, in one sense, he said, it all happened so quickly. Suddenly this guy's here. He's asking me, do I want to get well? The next thing he's saying to me, pick up your mat and walk. And boy, I'm better. So I'm picking up my mat. I'm going home. I don't need to be here anymore. My life has just suddenly made a complete transformation, and I have been completely changed. So he's off. But the Jews have got a problem. They're thinking in the mindset, this is the Sabbath day. What do we do on the Sabbath day? We rest. We rest. We don't do anything on the Sabbath day, because this is the day that God has told us to be holy on. It's interesting, and uh, whilst this sermon is not about the Sabbath day, it is interesting that we get caught up about the Sabbath day. The day, as in for them it was the Sabbath day, for us it's a Sunday. What is the object of this day? It is that we have time and space to make our connection with God. He knows that we have other work to do. He knows that we need to provide for our families. He knows that there are things that we are doing day by day. And so he says, what is important in your life is that you have time out so that you can come and worship me. Why? Because praise releases something in our lives. 
The rest of the week can bring us down. It can cause us to lose our focus and our attention. But we need something to raise us up and to get us strong. That is why we come to church. It's not about rules and regulations. It is about encountering the living God. That's why we come. That's why, to a degree, actually we don't necessarily want to do everything that we do on another day. We don't want us to fill it up and make sure like, okay, I've been to church, I've done everything, I've done all the right things, now let me do what I want to do. It's about us giving attention to God and saying, God, what is it you want to do in my life? How can you change me? How can you affect me? What do I need to do with you? But for the Jews, they were caught up with a whole lot of do's and don'ts on this day. We've got to do this. We've got to go to the temple. We can't do this. We can't do that. I look back on my own childhood regarding the Sabbath day. And there were things in our household which you were not allowed to do. Riding a bicycle was one of them. Because it was just a tradition. It's the way that people were brought up. And that's the way the Jews had got brought up. It's not about whether you ride a bicycle or not. It's about whether you understand that God is alive and that he is there to help you. And that you give yourself in worship to him. That is what this day is about. But for the Jews, there was a lot of trouble. They were so concerned about what this man wasn't doing, or rather, he was carrying his mat. He wasn't just leaving it. They were more concerned about that than the fact that a guy who'd been unable to walk for 38 years got healed. We need to be paying attention to these things. Because sometimes the traditions of our society cause us to be captured in the same place. Well, we need to have our eyes upon Jesus, asking him and asking for his help in what we do. Anyway, there's problems. The Jews are wound up by it. And so Jesus addresses them because he obviously senses that they're getting uh, upset about what's happened. And so he addresses the crowd, John 15, 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work. And to this very day, I too am working. And you know what they say about pouring petrol on a fire? Jesus was just doing this without necessarily meaning to, but he was doing it. My father is always at his work to this very day. I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, the the point I wanted to make is that where this statement comes from is coming from the fact that actually God is always at work, even on a Sunday, when he's supposed to be having his day of rest because he'd finished. He is at work. God is at work now. He's at work in our lives. Jesus wanted to tell everybody, God isn't dead He isn't sitting back having his iced latte or his pumpkin spice latte or whatever it is at this time of year that's going on. He's actually doing his work. And we may be calling this a day of rest or the Sabbath day. And we might be expecting that because it's the Sabbath day, God has got his feet up and God is relaxing. But it's not like that. As earthly parents, you like to get your feet up, (laughs) but you know that your children need looking after They need watching out for. And you know how God? He never slumbers or sleeps. He never slumbers or sleeps. He is always there to help us. Always ready to hear our cry. And he's not only concerned about us. He's also got another job in his hand. He's upholding the universe. 
He is making sure that everything is held together and that all things are, being, are working in the way they should. Men at work on the roads is all about building, maintaining, preserving, upholding our road network. God at work is all about God providing, God sustaining, God watching over each and every one of us as well as watching over his universe. Look what the Bible says about God's sustaining work. Job 34, 14 and 15, it says this, If it were his intention, if, this is, if it were God's intention, he could withdraw his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish together and a man would return to the dust. So in other words, God could take away our breath, that which he's given us, the life which he's given us, he could take it away and guess what? We'd just become back into the dust. Just like that. He is sustaining our lives. The only time you really start to think about that is when you knock your toe in the night or you, you had to go to hospital or, or you hurt or you got a toothache or something. Some part of your body starts to give pain and then you know about it. And then everything, in fact, not only do you know, no, do you know about it, you start telling everybody else about it because you're in pain. And they know about it too. Our bodies are kept day by day by God. He is watching over us and he is keeping us. These are the things that we can praise him for, but sometimes they, just, they seem too far away to us. It's just everyday life carries on and we forget about it. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had, purif after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven sustaining all things by his powerful word. The universe holds together. This last week, there's been lots of people complaining about climate change. Now, again, I'm not going to go into a political position about climate change. We need to look after our planet. We need to take responsibility for things. We need to stop throwing things away just at the street, not looking after recycling. We need to do those things because our planet needs to be looked after. However, God is in charge. He is upholding the universe. And he has said, day and night will not cease. The seasons will not cease until he says so. So we can take confidence in whatever is going on politically, and we know there's lots of upheavals, whatever's going on with uh, climate change, and there needs to be some international agreements and a working together of all people. However, remember this. God is sustaining the universe day by day, and he upholds it. Colossians 1 verse 15. Guys, you can come up because I'm nearly finished here. Colossians uh, verse 1, 15 and 17. He is... This is Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the God who is at work. He's constantly at work. He is upholding all things by his powerful word and he is watching over our individual lives. He cares for us. 
So we understand men at work, yes. But do we understand that God is working and God is preserving and God is keeping our lives? And not only that, it's not only God himself and we know that there's Father, Son and Spirit. Each of them are God. There's Trinity in complete unity. Another message for another time. But it says in Hebrews this of Jesus. Hebrews 7.25. Jesus is talking about, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So Jesus is constantly at work. What is he doing? He's praying for us. He's praying for us. That his purposes might be fully accomplished in our lives. So no matter what we're going through, and that can be many and varied things, different things, not only is our God sustaining the universe, but while he's holding the planets in their position and making sure the black holes are swallowing up the right stars at the right time or whatever's happening out there that our scientists are telling us about, he's also, his son is also praying for you. Praying that your heart will not fail. Praying that you will be strong. Praying that you will make it. He is sustaining you with breath. He is keeping you because he loves you. Because he cares for you. And because you are important to him. So I just want us to get this message in us. God isn't sitting on this celestial cloud, feet up, sort of waving. Oh yeah, everything will be alright eventually. He is active in our lives. Caring for us. Helping us. Keeping us. Sustaining us so that his purposes can be fulfilled in each one of us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.